This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at reactroundup.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. Uh, this week on our panel, we have Lucas Reis. Hello from New York. Uh, Sia Caramalegos. Hello from New Orleans. I'm always nervous that I'm saying your names wrong. <laughs> I need to, like, record it, right? Just have you say it, and then I'll just <laughs> say it over Press and over. Press the button. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and uh, this week we're going to be talking about finding a job. And just to give a little bit of context uh, on this one, I scheduled this mainly be- for two reasons. One is I'm getting ready to release a course on finding a job. Um, and for a long time, I've done basically a 15-minute call with podcast listeners, and we'll just talk about whatever. And you can go sign up now if you want at devchat.tv slash 15 minutes, and it just sends you over to schedule once, and you pick your time, right? And the thing I get asked most by anybody is, how do I get a job? Um, I have a a cousin that's getting ready to graduate from uh, BYU, which is a local university. Um, And he's getting ready to graduate in computer science. So he's talking to me now about finding a job. And I have all these new people. It's usually newer people that are asking, how do I find a job? And what I find is when I go out there and look at the advice people are giving them, usually if it's good advice, it's not a good place for them to start. And otherwise, it's just terrible advice. And there's a lot of different varying things out there. So I thought I would just jump in and um, kind of share some of the things from the course and see what Lucas and Sia have to share about this stuff. Um, Because I'm assuming you both have had some experience in finding developer jobs and things like that. Um, I think a good place to start, honestly, would be how you both found uh, your first programming job. Um, All right, so mine is a story of being a bit of a stalker, actually. So I, (laughs) I that's in my course. (laughs) Yeah, I um, well, I'm older than I look. (laughs) I had several jobs, so I've had a little bit of practice with this. And um, then that whole downturn thing that uh, gave me lots of good practice on interviews and I guess failure. (laughs) So I would say, like you know, um, just get used to failing at not getting a job and, and don't let it, you know, turn you down. Sorry. Now I'm like going off topic already, but, um, always looking at, you know, the next opportunity, but for my programming job, which was after that whole downturn thing, um, I, um, I was doing a code school, my second code school actually. And I, the um, curriculum, it was a full stack one. So it was like Rails on the back end, but then you were supposed to learn Angular. And I knew most of the local shops used React. So I was like, I'm going to try to teach myself React, but still do the same exercises. Um, so I did that. And then we, in New Orleans, we have like, uh, I mean, I'm sure like lots of cities, we have a few meetups. Um, one of them is called Hack Night. <laughs> 
Uh, it's mostly just meeting at a bar and drinking and hanging out with developers. So it's probably a much more low key than most cities meetups, but we also have like learning ones with presentations and stuff. So for example, I started going to one called front end party, even before I understood everything that was being talked about. I was like slowly by osmosis, I'll start learning some of these higher level topics, but I'll start meeting the people, but not acting like networking, just, just meeting people and becoming friends and basically hanging out and, um, talking to them. And so you kind of know when they, they have, you know, needs that are or like available spots open or just like who what they're looking for. And you can just talk to them about these things before you need a job. So like networking before you need that job and kind of following along with through their whole process. And then, so I was doing this way in advance before I was going to be done with my, um, my boot camp. But then also I just kept working on other things. And so it took a while, like, my main target company. Um, they weren't hiring at the time. So then I did go through and I did like, I don't know, they had an exercise and I did that and he interviewed me, but then they didn't have an opening I, or I guess like things, they thought they were going to get some more projects and they didn't. So then they had to put it on hold. So it actually took like another three months before they finally called me back and hired me. But I found like things to do on the side, um, which isn't easy for everyone but I was still doing like projects and things and um, talking to some other companies, but definitely being very focused in my search um, and, and talking to a few other local ones. But then that one that I had been targeting was talking the whole time eventually worked out. Nice. How about you, Lucas? Yeah. So uh, my, my first uh, job as a, as a developer, I worked as a consultant before, as a risk management uh, business consultant before in a company that also had like the, the developers we were working together in a project and as soon as I started working with them I realized that this is what I want to do so I just started helping them helping helping like learning what they were doing at some point they were like uh, I think we're gonna need like a web thingy in our product <laughs> can you, can you do yeah. term, I think. can you do like web stuff and I was like I can try. Let me try. I just started like helping them, like on my on my free time and learning from them as much as I could. And at some point, in, inside the company, after uh, one project was done, I asked it to to be assigned with them in the next project. So they said, "Of course, uh, the web thing is not done yet. So <laughs> come help us." And after that, I only, I only, I, every time I changed uh, companies, it was already like on a software position. So I believe the in the like just try to help and, and know as much and learn. Try to help as as many people as you can, always. Uh, and I think that network comes like naturally if you if you have like in your, if you have a mindset of like learning and helping, I think the network ju just comes uh, naturally from that. The opportunities will come. And sometimes you just have to cold ask, like, can I help you? Like, do you have any, any openings or like, do you know anyone in that company? Or, and that, 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 that's my experience. I just, I just tried <laughs> for a while and at some point it happened. Yeah. That sounds a little bit like my experience. Um, I was working for a company here in Utah, and the the thing that was funny about it was that I was the director of tech support, so we would answer the phone or take emails from our uh, customers. It was an online uh, backup company, and 
we went to them and we said, look, the, the level that we're growing at, we need some software to run all of the support stuff. And they said, oh, well, we don't have money for that. And so um, myself and another support guy wound up building it in Rails, Ruby on Rails. And um, I, I decided that, that at that point that I wanted to go into development and not so much in the support arena. So I switched over to QA. And while I was in QA, the, um, the guy I was working with said, you can make $20,000 more a year if you go get a competitive offer and bring it back. So I went out to get a competitive offer and it turned out that the competitive offer wasn't for a QA job, it was for a dev job. And so I wound up working for this consultancy out here in Utah, um, writing Ruby on Rails. And I, I figured out that the way that I'd gone about looking for a job, it was sheer dumb luck that I wound up with a job that actually worked for me. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people that are in jobs they don't like or they're unhappy with. And that's when I started helping other people with their career transitions, right? So I'd start saying, oh, well, you know, you should go talk to this company. Or they'd say, oh, well, I worked for a company that does this and I, I don't like that. And so I, I like a little bit different experience with some of this stuff. And, you know, and so I would help hook them up with a company that matched up better. And pretty soon I was having conversations with people about what kind of a fit they were looking for and, and what kind of company they were looking for and what kind of people they wanted to work with and stuff like that. And and then that's where a lot of this course comes out of is that a lot of people are looking for the wrong kind of job or they're um, applying to companies that aren't interested in hiring people like them. And so, yeah, just helping people figure that stuff out is where this comes from. And I think Sia kind of alluded to a lot of this in that she had a target company. And I'm curious, how did you figure out what your target company was? Like, how did you pick them? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, New Orleans is small, so there's there's not a whole lot to choose from. And um, I'd started going to some of the meetups before, so I already kind of knew a little bit about each of the companies. And um, I mean, actually, I guess there was a few more. I was still stalking on the side, but that was like my main one. Um, but it was, I knew I wanted to be in a dev shop or consultancy, like you said, because I was a management consultant in the past, and I knew that you would learn a lot quickly by working on multiple projects. And I kind of liked that um, setup. And I like the technologies they use on the back end. It was mostly Ruby and Rails at the time. Um, I think now they do more Elixir and other things. Um, and the front end, they used React. And I, I knew I didn't like Angular. I tried it out. And it's no offense to Angular. It's just, it's just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, the, the guys seemed pretty, like, Culturally, they seemed good. I um, already knew some of them from being at the meetups and definitely talking to different people who are already at the company. Um, and that's a lot easier to do if you already kind of hang out and, you know, it's not awkward saying, you know, what is it really like working there? What's the culture like? Things like that. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah. And, and some of the others were, yeah, like maybe they were .NET back in, and I was like, no, that's scary, um, or just not interesting, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Right. So some of it was technology choice, some of it was location, mm -hmm. some of it was... Oh, I knew I didn't want to do corporate again, because like I said, I've, I've actually had a lot of experience, and I, I didn't want to do, like, um, GE has a... Um, a technology or development department down here. And I knew I didn't want to go big corporate again. So some of these things I kind of already knew about myself and like 
environments that I don't fit well in um, based on like my personality and just experience in the past. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I actually interviewed a bunch of people when I was getting ready to put the course together. And those were a lot of the things that I talked to them about was the location, right? You wanted to stay in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to work for a big company or a small company? One guy said he wanted to work for like a Fortune 20 company. Uh, yeah, I don't even... You know? <laughs> right, so he wanted to work for a Google or Microsoft or something like that. Yeah. And then a bunch of other people were like, you know what, um, I just want interesting challenges. And it seems like startups are better for that. Mm-hmm. And then other people were looking for a little more stability than maybe you would get from a startup. So they're looking for kind of the medium-sized businesses. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is this is much more important than, than, than people uh, think about. Like, you, you need to try to understand the type of life that you want to mm-hmm. have. Like, for instance, when I was working in the consultancy company, uh, it's a lot of traveling. There was It was a lot of traveling everywhere. This is not for everyone, definitely like working, traveling like from Monday to Friday to a different city, mm-hmm. being away from your, from your house, from your family and stuff like that. So like you need to look not only at what you are working, but like what's the life you're going to have in that particular place, in that particular city, company, everything. So this is something that we, we usually tend to, to not pay a lot of attention when we, when we are looking for a job and choosing the company. That's a really good point because one of those other things I forgot to mention was like the ability to work remotely. Um, so luckily the consultancy I was at did not involve um, travel. Um, and even though it was local and in town, we were welcome to work from home. And, um, and it worked great actually because uh, we knew like whenever we were circling too much like on Slack or something, just jump on like a Zoom call or something because you still have to do that face-to-face and make sure you're communicating well. But um, I didn't want to work for a company like downtown where then I'm like, I have to travel every day and deal with parking and that just did not appeal. Maybe I'm a bit of a diva now. <laughs> or no, I think it's because I've already worked independently. And so it's like, I'm, I have less patience for some of those things. I like flexibility. Like I know these things mm-hmm. about myself and I like being able, as long as I get my work done and people are happy, then Um, Mm -hmm. I, I prefer that flexibility and also like, I'm okay with, um, ambiguity and some people aren't. So I'm okay. If you don't give me like a fully defined problem, I'll do my best to try to figure that out and come up with different solutions. And that doesn't work for everyone. Some people like to be more micromanaged. Um, whereas I I definitely don't like that. Yeah. I just want to add to that, that, um, you, you kind of figure this out as you go. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you had already worked in some corporate positions, you'd done some consulting. And so you knew the kind of situation you would like to be in. A lot of folks, they've been an accountant, or they're making some other kind of change, or they're just a young person that, you know, they, they've worked at the supermarket or something. And then they went to a code boot camp. I've talked to people under both that, that are in both circumstances. And they just, they may not know exactly what those circumstances mm-hmm. are. Um, just kind of make your best guess. And don't be too rigid on that until you know. Yeah, definitely. It's a good way to approach that. And that way, then you can figure it out. And then if you go work at a job for a year and you're like, you know what? Uh, I don't want to commute downtown anymore. Then you can go find another job that's either closer to home or will let you work from home. That's like, a really good point. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, none of these things are permanent. So. Yeah, exactly. It's actually, I ended up leaving that job. The... Uh, it was a little bit broy. So like culture wise, it ended up not being a great fit. But once you get that first job, it's also a lot easier to move on to other jobs as a developer. Um, just getting, you know, 
a good solid set of experience. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the, I, I think that we should always uh, be looking at like our portfolio and our cases. Like our resume needs to be uh, everywhere we go, try to understand like what am I doing, what I'm contributing here. So like I, I know the value that, that I'm bringing to, to this particular mm-hmm. project. I'm working to this company. So if we find ourselves in a bad situation, either the company is going bad or maybe you want to change, you already have like a set of things that you understand, you worked, you learned, and you can show it to, to the next uh, opportunity too. So I think that the first one is, is hard. So usually usually if, if it's a young person or starting in the, in, the, in the profession, probably you won't have like the best deal but just starting out and start collecting your cases. So next year you'll try again. I think, I think it's good. I also think thinking about like a remote and non-remote, I can, I can, I can see if you are starting out non-remote jobs, maybe like an easier way to mm-hmm. understand what's going on. Uh, I, when I work remote, I, I already have like everything set up. I, 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 also know how to deal with like fuzzy specs for everything and I'm doing things like that. Uh, I imagine that someone who's starting out in the profession that maybe they, they would like to be like physically near more knowledgeable people and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so just uh, try the, the, the first uh, job, gain as much experience as you can. So, and then you're fine tune your career little by little. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little harder, I think, to land that uh, remote mm-hmm. open job. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little bit lucky in, in that respect on my first development job, but I was pretty much paired off with a senior developer. Mm-hmm. And so even when we were working remotely, it was generally from his house, right? Mm-hmm. So I would just, you know, I'd drive the 15 minutes to his place. <laughs> we'd work in his basement. Um, That's you know, and, and that kind of thing worked out. But yeah, it's it's a little bit tougher when they're trying to bring you along in both your technical skills and your knowledge of the project to do that remotely. It, it's, it tends to be easier with more senior experienced people because at least they're seeing something that they've seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this also changes a lot from company to company. Uh, and in the consulting company I was working, the company was very like remote ready. And I've worked in other companies that were like zero remote culture and nothing worked. Like there was not even like a sing- single uh, chat application that, that like, oh my God, I need to talk oh, to wow. Team B. What chat are they on? Things like that. Oh, they're not on Slack. They're on HipChat or something like that. So uh, I think it also depends on, on the company you are. Sometimes they're more remote friendly. Yeah, that, that's definitely true as well. I don't know how companies operate without having some kind of standardized way of communicating, though. Mm-hmm. That's a good question to ask, too, on an yep. interview. Mm. Yep. One, one thing that I want to uh, go back to a little bit there is uh, something that Lucas brought up. And it's funny because when people ask how to get a job, um, something that he said is more or less the answer that I give is, well, the way you get a job is you convince them that you're going to add the value they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, which is of course easier said than done. But um, I mean, if you can convince them that you're going to bring the value that they want, and you're going to come in at whatever price they want, um, then then they'll hire you. 
And yeah, it's, it's tricky sometimes, especially when you're new, but there are definitely ways that you can go about proving that. Um, and, and I'm curious, what do both of you do for that kind of thing to demonstrate that on a resume and in your portfolio? That's a tough question. I feel like it's kind of hard to differentiate yourself. That's why I relied so much more on networking. Uh So if they don't even have to go through that process of posting the job and they just know that you exist and they know that you're probably a good dev because you've talked to them, you've been involved. um, Like I even started speaking, even though they were like junior topics, um, then you'll start getting more pool offers. So it was my strategy to start getting pull more than push. Um, so they see like, Oh, Hey, there's a developer that, you know, even though she might be at that time more junior, um, we can see that she's learning and solving problems and, you know, interested because she's, you know, going into these topics. And so, um, I guess demonstrating that and, um, (laughs) You still have to go to, you can't just go to like one or two, you go regularly and then you're, they're kind of reminded that you exist. And then when you know they have an opportunity, you can ask them about it specifically also, or, you know, just ask in general occasionally, um, but not be annoying. So my strategy was more, I guess, that pool, like demonstrate it. And yeah, I had, I did have like portfolio apps. I ended up taking down my portfolio page not long ago because it was so outdated. Um, I need to update that. So that's one thing I don't do as well, but it's maybe because I also do other activities like speaking and writing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So I guess like demonstrating some of those talents and maybe because of that more experience, um, they see someone who has a potential of being like a manager or something, which is, I think it can be difficult to find in the developer community. Cause if you think about it, a lot of people are interested in development, like doing or like building that thing. And that's not necessarily like a people job and um so someone who can can demonstrate some of those leadership skills or likes mentoring and teaching um can be of value so i just demonstrated that i guess in my activities yeah Yeah, i I think the networking is definitely the way to go to find a job and that's Mm -hmm. the approach that i generally take but you have to have some level of the people that i've met know that i'm capable of doing the job yeah 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 and and i'm not that, I guess that's what I'm driving at is how, do you, how did you demonstrate that then as you were networking? I guess, well, it's because, uh, or for, for example, the one meetup that's just once a week, that's more just like in your, your interactions and what you're chatting about, like what's some cool new project or, you know, it's like always some, I mean, some of it was just social talk, but then other times it was about specific technologies or stuff and just kind of holding your own. But then um, actually going to the meetups and I started presenting also. And so at that point, when you're presenting on a topic, um, you're demonstrating your ability that not even, not just like knowing the subject, but also that you're eager about it and you did this extra work. Um, you're learning, you're a good learner and the potential to, um, to mentor and lead others in the future. So I think that's how I demonstrated it for me personally. That's not for everyone, I, I realize. Yeah, oh, and I, then I, mean, I had the portfolio, but I don't even think they really looked at that, honestly, for me. Mm-hmm. It's not for everyone, but um, yeah. it was there, it existed, so maybe it checked a box, you know? Yeah, but, uh, and after you got, like, a referral, you were interviewed by a lot of, by some people that were not in the, in the meetups, right? So how do, you, how do you convince them, the other people that did not refer you, 
Oh, um, well, they had, so well, likely that was like the VP of engineering that would always go to one meetup. And then actually they didn't have very many people with other, but they knew because of, we have a local Slack group. So they would, you know, see me interacting there too. So that was another way of like demonstrating, like getting involved in discussions or helping people that have questions that I know the answer of. Um, Oh, I have been cultivating my online presence too, like trying to get points on stack overflow, which I know can seem impossible for a new dev um, or very intimidating, um, things like that. And um, yeah, but, but then I would interview, so <laughs> his boss had already told him that this is probably a good person. So at least they did that, but they did have like a developer exercise and I did well on it. And so, um, and then I interviewed with them and interviewing is, is a whole different beast interviewing itself like it was theoretically a technical interview but it was also like easy technical interview i have not yet had like a super difficult technical interview and i did have one that was more technical um but not one of those ones that you already hear that you always hear about like the whiteboard ones i haven't had one of those um i would probably also just be like this is ridiculous and walk out or something (laughs) i have like no patience but then um it's yeah well, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about interviewing later, but that's a whole different beast. And that actually, there's a lot more to it than just answering questions, like asking questions and having them talk most of the time or just making sure you're demonstrating or humbly talking about yourself in good ways um, when you need to. But uh, yeah. 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 My experience with a lot of this is you, and I think you've really kind of hit the nail on the head is that, yeah, the, the level of involvement you put in will demonstrate to them that you know what you're doing, or at least you know what questions to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then you go in and you demonstrate in the interview because ultimately that's what you need to do, right? You need to get in for the interview. Um, then you can show them in the interview that you're actually capable of doing whatever it is that they want you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or if you're not, like, like, if you get a question wrong too, it's the way you address that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, no, I'm not quite sure. How would you do that? Like, just ask them back, you know, or I would look this up because I wasn't, I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Just being that person, like, playing that role of who they would have to work with each day and being that person that they say, you know what, hey, it's the airport test, right? Like, would I want to be stuck in an airport next to this person for hours while my plane is delayed? Um, that always seems to work well yes. for interviews. I, I agree. I, I believe that when you are... When you're more, when you're going going more to senior positions, uh, mainly you should be able to talk about what you already accomplished, right? What you tried to do and what you delivered. So, like, use uh, use the the same like arguments that that you use in your own job. That like, why am why am why am I bringing value to this place right now? Uh, but for a junior position, like starting position, that's more tricky. So uh, from, uh, we don't expect a junior uh, developer to, ha- to, to, to have already like brought business value to any company. So it's more about like work ethic. Like are you, are you willing to, to, to work? Like are you willing to, to, to do you, can you work with a team? Can you can you understand like if, if if we have a problem, are you willing to solve the problem? Are you like a problem solver, a person who, who likes mm-hmm. to solve problems? And usually in junior devs, you can you can see though uh, that by like really small really small signals. Like, is this person helping 
people around yeah. uh, them or not? Like how, how is that, what happens to, to your like around you when, when you get to a place? Are, do people feel that you are part of the team? This is, this goes from like, uh, I, I'm always like trying to, when I see someone having difficulty, it can be like cold difficulty or like, I don't know, coffee machine difficulty, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. you're always like trying to, to make sure that you're helping and try to, to understand that problem and that, and that moment. So like for junior devs, whenever you have like this uh, interaction with people, we would love to have people around us that want to help us. We all, we all are, we all have like a lot of work to do, a lot of things to, 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 to solve. So this is one thing. So try to pass uh, in meetups, in whatever, talking to other senior people that you meet here and there. Try to pass this like I'm, I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I'm a helper kind kind of person. And the second is. Uh, in software today, there's no excuse for not knowing things like Git and NPM. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like front end here, right? Like uh, uh, also do like basic React. You don't need to know how to uh, architect a hundred lines of code application, but like how to write a component. There are thousands of tutorials, tutorials like everywhere. So like from a junior uh, position, you can you can already like show that like I'm 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 a learner like I was alone at home in my last semester in, in my university and I learned react so this is this is a good uh, also a good signal when when looking at like a junior dev what the junior dev can bring to, to your company that does bring up the, a good question or at least I hear some um, junior developers asking is like should I learn more languages um, and I don't know how you guys feel about that. Like, should I just stick to one language or should I learn more to demonstrate that I know languages that all the, you know, like, or multiple languages that a company might need? Yeah. I, in my, in my opinion is like, try, try to do at least one thing. Well, like you will mm -hmm. not have time to talk about seven different things. We'll have time to talk about one, two different things. And also, if you learn one thing well, you'll be able to help more with that particular thing. So I am, I am like a, for, for instance, uh, in front end, I am a language lover of like ReasonML, Fable, Elm, all this, all this stuff. But definitely if, I, if we have finite time, if you focus on JavaScript, it's like a, <laughs> it's a sure bet. Yes. So people starting, I would uh, like, React, JavaScript, go with the go with the standard, learn it well. You will learn like the the weird hipster stuff from time to time. You will come across <laughs> those, but we, we don't need to seek those out. These things will appear. Yeah, I agree. Um, for new people, yeah, just just stick to learning the one language or one system, right? I mean, even people who are learning like Ruby on Rails. You know, I'm like, you know what, if you're going to branch out, they're more interested in your Ruby and Rails knowledge than they are in your JavaScript knowledge. So, you know, go focus on that. It, you know, it is web development. You will need to know some JavaScript, but ultimately you can get around a lot of that. Um, if you're on the front end, yeah, you know, dig deep on, on JavaScript or ES6 as you're learning React. And that way you can demonstrate what you're capable of doing as far as learning, how quickly you can pick things up. 
and you can show them where your foundation is. Because when they're hiring you as a new person, ultimately it's, okay, Are can they come in and do something for us, right? And then can they pick up the rest quickly are the two questions that they're going to be asking about you. Mm-hmm. When you're an experienced person, it's going to be how quickly can we get them onboarded on our system and then how, how do we get them to contribute in meaningful ways across the entire system or help us with architecting or things like that, depending on how experienced you are and where you're at. And so for experienced folks, I tell them, yeah, you know, go, uh, you know, and in fact, this is advice I give to everybody is if you can go target a company, like we talked about earlier, right? So you figure out what kind of company you want to work for. You go to do a little bit of research and I, I show you how to do all this in the course. Um, a lot of it involves LinkedIn and Glassdoor. I'll just give that away for free and mm-hmm. you can probably figure it out from there. But you can figure out, okay, th- these are the technologies they're using. You can, you know, kind of go deep on one or two of those. And it basically shows, hey, look, um, I know what you're using and I took some initiative to learn it. And at the same time, also, uh, this is the process I went through to learn it. And this is how quickly I can pick things up from here. And that way you're, you're, you know enough to be dangerous. And at the same time, you're demonstrating to them that you have the initiative to go in and figure out what you have to learn next. Mm-hmm. And that way they can kind of give you the guided tour for a lot of the rest of your career there. And it sets you up pretty nicely for that. Um, it also shows if you do that kind of research that you really are interested in working for them and that you're not just out there for any job, but you're out there to work with them on whatever it is that, that they do well. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for devchat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at DigitalOcean.com. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say finding like a champion at that company too, especially if you are already networking, you might like actually have met them, you know, at a meetup or something, or if you have to go through LinkedIn and just, you know, start asking questions. Um, Of course, there's a lot of posts probably on this on like what's a good intro for something like that. Like you don't just email someone looking for a job, but um, there's some conversation starters you can do. But um, like I also would just reach out to them, like the people I already knew at those companies when I wasn't specifically trying to like get a job at the moment, <laughs> I would ask them, oh, like, hey, how do you, what is your opinion on how to do this in React? You know, like just start a conversation on something as you know that they use in that technology And um, even though you're not saying, hey, will you be my champion or my mentor, they kind of end up becoming that on the DL, you know? Like, it's not obvious, but they end up being that um, person. Yeah, especially if you can get them to invest in you. Like, if you can get them to mentor you, Mm -hmm. then they they have a vested interest in your success. Yeah, yeah. Maybe don't call it mentoring, because then they feel like, oh my God, that's going to be a big job. But just, like, Mm -hmm. ask some questions sometimes. Because everyone wants to be smart and seem smart and important. But if, then if you ask them, they're like, they'll think of it's like, oh, it's some great big responsibility. <laughs> so yeah. if you don't ask them that. I, I don't know why that seems to be scary. I, I, think, I think it's a, this is an interesting thing, like reaching people out from the company and ask them like things like what technologies they use. Like I'm interested. 
I, uh, for me particularly, if I, if I get an email, like I'm interested in work for, for ZocDoc, like which technologies do you use so I can study and things like that? What's the, the process so I can prepare myself? Mm-hmm. That would be a mail I would love to, to receive. It's already like the person will already gain like some points on my notebook. It's like, wow, this is, this is great. Like really someone really interested in, in learning and because that's it. Like when, when we start working, it's all about investigations, reaching uh, the right people that worked on that project before. So we can understand like re- trying to navigate through everything. So if someone shows me like that, that will even before joining the company for me it's a super plus yeah well the other thing is is um if you send that email i also recommend to people that you say look i i don't need you to write a big long email i want the the two minute i don't want to take a lot of your time so just give me the two minute answer we use react redux blah 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 um the, the interview goes something like this a b c d that that's all i'm looking for here you know, so, you know, that way I can respect your time and, you know, maybe I can ask you a few questions later. That's, yeah, that's great because uh, as I said before, we want, we, we want to be helped, right? We all have a lot mm-hmm. of problems. So people willing to help is always good, but like, don't give more work to people yeah. <laughs> in the company. So like, could you give me a really detailed, like, no, I, I, we don't have time to, to give detailed anything to like people we just met. So this is, I like this, like, Pinpoint, and also maybe if you could like send me to give me another name of someone else who could mm-hmm. uh, help me with this, I would I would be glad to. So I believe it's yeah, this is this is a good this is a good strategy. Well, it comes out of I get I get emails from people, and it's like, um, you know, what do you recommend? Blah 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 Rails, or what do you recommend? Blah 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 JavaScript, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, I don't have 20 minutes to give you an answer. <laughs> And so if you give me permission to take two minutes to give you an answer, even though it's not complete, but it gets you heading down the right way, it makes it a whole lot easier for me to go, mm-hmm. okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just reply and basically tell them, you know what? I don't have a lot of time. I'm giving myself two minutes to answer your question. Here's the best you're going to get in two minutes. Yeah. It can be a lot easier <laughs> if you do the stalker route and you're just in the community already. Yes. So like on Slack, you know, you can just send a quick message and no one on Slack is going to expect you to do like a really long conversation mm-hmm. in there, but just like, uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot some of the conversations. <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah. trick there though, is mm-hmm. that if you have a target company and you're reaching out to somebody at the company, um, I find that a large percentage of the people who are working at every given, any given company are not at the meetups. They're not in the Slack rooms. They're mm-hmm. not in these places where you can kind of just happen upon them and happen to be around. And so if, if you can find those people, odds are you're going to enjoy working with them more if you're that kind of person. But the, the reality is, is that, that that works well if you're already in the community. And that may work out that you may find another company you want to target because their people are at the meetups. But the flip side of it is, as you go do the research, you figure out that their folks are not at the meetups, then you have to use these other, other strategies to kind of get on the radar. Yeah. Well, and there's other ways too, like some of them might be involved in an open source project mm-hmm. and maybe that's one to start looking at it to see if you can contribute even at a low level, like with documentation. That's always helpful because usually I find gaps in documentation. I think I've actually done PRs to both Redux and React, like core, just, <laughs> just for like little documentation mm-hmm. things I found, you know. Um, so it's definitely possible to, um, 
start getting noticed or, you know, reaching out and say, Hey, can I help out with this? Um, That's the, that's the, the motto, like helping out and making sure that you are passing that image that you, you help out. Like you need to, we need to be able to communicate that too. Yeah. And then, and then you translate that into the, Hey, I'm looking for a job and the company you work for looks like the kind of company I want to work for. Um, you know, can you help me apply or can you tell me where to go to apply? And yeah, usually then they're going to step in and, Oh, well, let me send me your resume. And I'll give it to my boss or mm-hmm. every, everything has to go through HR. Here's the place to submit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the trick is, is when you do that, whether it's let, send me your resume and I'll send it to my boss or it has to go through HR is as soon as you take that step, you have to commit to follow up. And yeah. so you, you know, you submit it to HR and then you email them back, right? And you say, hey, I submitted it to HR. Um, can you just double check that they got it? Um, you know, and I'd really appreciate any kind of recommendation you can give to them. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll send it to my boss. So you wait a week and then you say, okay, well, um, you know, I, 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 do you have any feedback from the boss? Or, you know, is there anything in particular that your boss is looking for? Or, you know, is, is there some inside knowledge that I, you know, about the boss, you know, does he have a favorite sports team or does she um, really enjoy a certain type of music, you know, and, and then that way you can just send them a little note that plays their favorite song in the background or something you know, <laughs> online or just, you know, something, something kind of fun and little that makes you memorable. And you, yeah. you can use all that kind of connection to open the doors that way. And being memorable is almost more important than being good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Be your own project manager. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do that follow-up. You're going to have to, you know, remind people of things in a nice way. You're going to have to, you don't have to send thank you notes. Yeah. But it definitely stands out to me, like, if I'm interviewing someone and this one person sent me a thank you note and the other person didn't. Cause it's just like, okay, who knows courtesy? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it's not the same in all cultures, but, um, yeah. Um, I understand, yeah. One uh, another thing I also to to make sure we can we can do those things as we were talking even before recording today like to do lists and calendar. So when we are looking for a job and uh, our first job, apply to as many places as you can and then put like everything on calendar, everything on to do list. So I talk to this person. This is the name, and then like in two days, I'm gonna send another email for a follow up. I still need to do this and this because like we can when we are in the middle of a lot of process processes, we, we can uh, lose track of that. And it's really easy like to forget names and stuff like that. So remembering the names, remembering everything. And as you said, like sending a, a small, like thank you email goes a long way. I, I have to disagree on one point and that is apply every place you can. I, I definitely agree that you need to keep track of who you're reaching out to when you reached out to them you know, mm-hmm. how, when you intend to follow up with them, all of those things are really important because if you don't stay on top of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, it's going to slip. But honestly, I think you are in most cases better served by targeting a handful of companies that you know are hiring and doing the work to get noticed by them than you are to apply everywhere. Um, yeah. I, I generally tell people that they should be spending 50 to 75% of their time on, you know, five to 10 companies that they know are hiring that they know they'd like to work with. And then the other 25% of the time, yeah, if you want to reach out to other companies, 
Um, you know, maybe you do a little bit of research before you reach out and things like that. Um, that that's going to pay off bigger than any of the other things because if you're working toward getting a job at a company, you have a much better job of getting a job at that company. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. Like five, ten companies is already like a, a number large enough to, to lose track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. You don't need to, to, to go to like 40 different ones. Yeah, well, the other thing is, is a su- successful process doesn't look like I sent them my resume. They called me for an interview. I went to the interview, especially if you're new and this is your first job. It, I can almost promise you it's not going to look like that. It's going to look like I did a whole bunch of work beforehand, like Sia was talking about her first job. You know, I had a target company. I got to know people there. I really did the work. I researched the company. I know what they wanted. I made sure I was what they wanted. And then I went in. I went through the process. I had somebody champion me there. Um, and then they called me in for the interview. And the rest of it was almost a formality. That, that is more likely what's going to work. And so you have to do all that work up front to make it work for that company. Yeah, I think because it, it is hard to differentiate yourself as a junior or like first time developer because there are so many. I mean, it's actually great that there's so many ways now to enter this industry, but it, it can make it seem intimidating. So like, what are those ways you can really differentiate yourself in the crowd? Yeah. Uh, I also think it's important to note too, like you're going to get rejections and that's okay. So rejections are also about like, how do you, how do you deal with them or, and, and it, I think everyone's different, but um, I think it's really important to have a support network too. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is like, I mean, it could be family and friends, but maybe it's just another developer that maybe is more senior, but knows what you're going through and just kind of mention these things and get like some general advice um, or just <laughs> a sympathetic person like, oh yeah, that does suck. But um, you're going to get those. Uh, another one way I deal with those is I just make sure I always have, okay, who's going to be my next target? And start focusing more on that. So like kind of focusing on the path forward and not ruminating too much on the past. Or maybe thinking through like, oh, how could I have improved? And that's, it's totally acceptable to also email very respectfully back and say, hey, you know, thank you for if they actually do give you a response. It can be very frustrating when they don't. But if they do give you a response, say thank you for getting, you know, definitely thank you for getting back to me. Um, If there's any way that I can get some feedback on, you know, my interview or whatever, I would greatly appreciate that so that I can improve myself for, um, for future interviews. And so that can be a way. Some of them will respond, some of them won't, but you can definitely try and, and kind of, you know, go from there on improving. Yeah, yeah. this is, this is uh, I think that trying to get feedback is key because we, 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 we need to, to, to learn from, from every experience, right? So, like, if we get a no from a company that we wanted to, to join, we, we, we need to get more knowledge about it. Sometimes it's not a problem with us. Like, here at ZuckDoc, how many times have we, like, interviewed and it's just not the moment for that particular professional? It's, like, yep. not the moment for this company and this set of skills. Uh, and, and we say no, like, really sadly, like... <laughs> Uh, and, and other times, like there are really clear feedbacks that like, so we needed this and this, and it was not the way we thought. So here's, here's a good feedback for next time to try, uh, or when applying to, to, to other places. So we, we need to, to always look forward, as you said, like problem, uh, it's a no, it's not an expected, uh, outcome, not the, out, the outcome I, I would like to. So what did I learn and next time do better? Mm-hmm. Generally, we... when, 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, if if we if we approach everything like as a as a learning uh, process and not like as a oh it's my one shot my one shot it's never one shot it's like a learning process until you get it. Yeah, generally, what I do when I'm um, when I'm asking for this kind of feedback is I ask for one or two things. What are one or two things that I can improve? Because mm-hmm. uh, if it's hey, can you give me some feedback on what I could do better? They're like, I don't know. But if if you start asking them, you know, what are one or two things that I can improve? Then usually they'll have at least one or two things come to mind. And then if it's a situation like what Lucas is saying, where it's like, you know what, there's really not anything, you know, in particular that you did wrong or that you were lacking. But the other question I like to ask is, um, what are one or two things that the person you did hire have that mm-hmm. I didn't? or that, you know, that, that I needed to be a little stronger in. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of questions and saying one or two, it gives them the opportunity to just kind of rattle a couple things off. And then you can go dig deeper on that, either by e- emailing them back and saying, okay, well, you know, I feel like I presented this. What did I miss? Or you can, you know, talk to other people in your circle, like what Sia mentioned, you know, having this support group, right? And it's like, hey, I got this feedback from this company that I need to do a little bit better in the way that I communicate. And then they can say, oh, yeah, we have noticed that you say um a lot or, you know, whatever the feedback is. And they can give you specific things that you can work on for your next one. Yeah, that might be better. I would be afraid. I don't I wouldn't want to come across as arguing with them. I would yeah. just mostly thank them for the feedback. And then yeah. and then sometimes it'll be BS feedback. I mean, to be honest, That's I true. have one company. Oh, my God. This is not a developer company. This is before. And um, I asked my friend, oh, it's, it's actually kind of better if you, if you do have a champion in the company and ask them um, what were the one or two things um, because then you might get the more honest answer too because sometimes they'll give you a fluff answer. Um, and it was like, oh, it, uh, you look like you, you volunteered too much. So like I had worked at for-profit companies the entire time, but apparently the fact that I was volunteering on the side, even though they made such a big deal in the interview process about like, like their community efforts and stuff like that. And so I was like, really? Like that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> it's really weird and bizarre. And I probably wouldn't want to work for a company that thought I volunteered too much in my free time. <laughs> yeah. So um, sometimes it'll be bad feedback and you'll just have to be okay with that. And you're like, okay, it just wasn't a great fit. Yeah. And also, I think it's important to note here to know when, if something doesn't, feel like a good fit or it feels off, it's okay to exit yourself from the process mm-hmm. and tell them, you go say, Hey, you know, thank you very much for this opportunity, but, um, I don't think it's going to be a very good fit for me. You, you don't necessarily have to give them all the reasons. They'll be fine with that. But, um, I've definitely exited myself from a few of those. Um, yeah, I have two. And generally, yeah, it's the same thing. It's, Hey, I was looking for a company that was more like this and it looks like you're more like that. Mm-hmm. And, then it's not really, there's something wrong with your company. It's just, hey, you know, you're not quite what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they can take that as feedback or they can just take it as, yeah, you know what? We're not a company for a person who wants that. Yeah. And, and either of those are valid ways to take it. Yeah. This, is, uh, this is very interesting. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking like here, here in New York, the tech recruiter scene is really strong. <laughs> how to how to deal with like this uh, this dimension of of like how uh, should uh, should a junior dev ap- try to approach 
technical recruiters also to, to help them in the process. What's your take on that, Charles? My take? Um, so recruiters, I think if you're on LinkedIn for five minutes, you're going to get approached by a recruiter, by the way, if, if you have any kind of programming thing in your profile. Um, so recruiters are kind of an interesting beast. Um, so some companies only hire through recruiters. So you have to keep that in mind. If, if the company you want to work for only hires through recruiters, you're going to be working with a recruiter. You don't have any other choice. Um, even if you know people in the company, eventually you'll get referred to their recruiter. And some recruiters are in-house recruiters, and they're different from, I think, what most people think of as recruiters who work for a company that's actually out there headhunting for a company. And so um, I'm not going to talk about internal recruiters. They, they are paid on commission, just like the other recruiters, but um, it, it's, it's a different animal. Um, the, the recruiters that work for recruiting companies, they typically get paid on commission, but their commission is based on your salary when you get hired. And uh, the other thing is, is that some of them get uh, a portion of their commission based on the number of interviews they send in, which means that if they are working off of any, if they get rewarded per interview, then they may send you to interviews that are not a good fit for you. So you have to be aware of that. And they're not going to tell you and they don't have to tell you how they get paid. But just keep in mind that they're probably going to try and send as many people through the process as possible, hoping that somebody sticks and then they'll try and negotiate you know, a higher salary. But the flip side of that is, is that because they are paid based on what your starting salary is, the company is incentivized to give you as low a salary as possible so that they don't have to pay out that fee, right? Mm -hmm. And so essentially what they're getting is they're getting a cut of whatever you would have made if you had come into the company another way. But if your goal is to get in and get a job and get started on your career, that doesn't mean that this is a bad way to go. And so it's complicated, right? There, there are a lot of things that come into play with this. Um, if you're having trouble finding a job, talking to a recruiter is probably going to be helpful to you because they will at least, the good ones will mentor you. And they'll say, hey, most of our clients are looking for this. Go figure this out. Now, they, you know, they might do some mock interviews with you and stuff like that and give you some good pointers. So if you line up a good, if you line up with a good uh, recruiter, it may actually be, be a good thing for you. Most experienced people won't need it, but a lot of the newer people, it will help them. Um, so that said, the, the good recruiters, like the really good ones, are in the vast minority. Um, I have recruiters that come to me all the time and say, do you know anyone who does blah, 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 that we can help get a job? And my answer is always, I don't know who you are. And so, you know, I, I can't help you with that well, do you know how we can find more people? And I'm like, yeah, go to the meetups, buy the pizza and spend five minutes telling people why they want you to help them find a job. I guarantee you, you'll have people come talk to you. And they never do it. And so the, the really good recruiters understand the community, the programming community. They understand the people who are involved in hiring. They're very well connected and they can, they can help you get that job. So uh, do a little bit of due diligence. Um, see if you can find somebody that that recruiter has helped place. Um, you know, you, you can also call up some of the companies they represent and see how many people they've placed for that company. And, and that'll give you a pretty good idea as to how good they are and kind of what their approach is. But if they line you up like 20 interviews, they're probably just pushing as many people through the process as possible and they're not really doing you any favors. So 
I know that's a complicated answer, but it, it ultimately, if I have to boil it down to two sentences, it's one, find a really good recruiter that is really well connected, that really understands the process, and that also is invested in getting you the job that's the best fit for you. And if they can't do those two things, then run away. Makes sense. Great, great answer. Yeah, when I when I moved to New York, uh, I I was approached by by a lot of recruiters because I was like in my LinkedIn, I was like, I'm looking for a job. I'm moving to New York, so it was like the the recruiters LinkedIn storm, uh, and. Some, some a couple of the recruiters uh, I had like a really really good uh, interaction with. They were giving me like tips and, and tricks about even like what's the salary range uh, of your position in the city, like what which skills are being demanded lately and things like that. So so it was good. In the end, I I got a job through through referral through my connections, like a friend that has a friend that lives in New York, this mm -hmm. kind of thing, but. It was uh, valuable information I got from, from the recruiters. It was not a bad, um, a bad experience. Yeah. The, the, the other trick, though, is, is that a lot of these recruiters, they know what skills these companies are hiring for. So say it's React or Rails or Vue or something, right? They, they, but all they really know is the, the buzzword. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it actually means. And if they don't know what it means, then they also really can't help you get that job. Yeah, it makes sense. It's more like, yeah. It's more so like, they can give you the trend information, and I think that was the helpful information you got from them. Mm -hmm. But when it came right down to it, they couldn't help you get a React job yeah. because they didn't know what a React job looked like. Yeah, it makes sense. It's it's uh, so it's very like every interaction is a learning opportunity, right? Yeah. Even with recruiters or people like that are just like on a, hanging out on a meetup, like every interaction is a is a learning opportunity. You can always like try to understand what what are the demands of the market, what uh, the salary range, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I I felt that the salary range in in Glassdoor, for instance, was a little bit different from what I was getting from from the from the actual interviews and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is the everyone you meet. Try to get some information <laughs> and understand yeah. a little better, like where you fit, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, Glassdoor is trailing information, right? So it's not predictive at all. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, demand comes and goes. A lot of this other information comes and goes. But if you don't have anywhere else to start, Glassdoor is a great place to yeah. at least get an idea. I agree. Oh, one uh, other uh, thing about Glassdoor comments of, about companies. That's so, cool. uh, yeah, but I also feel that we need to understand the biases there. Mm -hmm. Like, what is your incentive to put a review of a company on Glassdoor? I believe it's either you are too happy or too sad with the company. So I always try to try to understand, like, the biases. Like, it's either, like, this is the best place ever or, like, this is the worst place ever. So, like, we need to try to understand how do, what would be, like, your ideas to navigate through, through all those biases? In, in, in I do think you have to, like, if you want to, they limit your access to the site until you, 
like sign in and like provide your own review or something. So like I definitely had to give information before I could get access to additional things. So then I had to review some previous employer or maybe it was just provide salary information. I forgot, but um, I was definitely forced to, even though I normally would not have. Um, so I, I don't might still be good that. on there. Yeah. I think that's a factor. I think also, yeah. Um, I can't remember, but I think some, there's some information too about the reviewer, whether or not they, you know, were fired or whether they, you know, left on their own or, and what, what, uh, position they held and things like that. So you can also base some of your information on that. And there's, there's definitely multiple like surveys and other things out there. You can look for different salary ranges. So I try to look at several of them. Mm -hmm. And then in my salary negotiations, I presented, of course, only the ones that were beneficial to me. Oh, of course. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and one of them, well, there's like, for example, some of the recruiting or, you know, headhunter firms actually publish some things. And then there's a few broader surveys. Um, it's a little difficult because in New Orleans, we're a different, like, economic area. But um, then, well, actually, we did a local survey. That was interesting. And then, um, but then there's also, like, the, the H-1B visas. That's public information. So the salaries for those. There's some website. I forgot who posted it. I'll try to look for it later. Um, where you can go on and for any company, if they have hired people on uh, H-1B visas, that, that um, salary information is public and you can actually search for it. It's like a table. Um, so that's kind oh, of That's cool. interesting. Yeah. I'll try to share that later if I can go find it. Um, but yeah, I might have bookmarked it somewhere just because I tell people about it. <laughs> and those are like real uh, salaries like mm -hmm. up to date. Of course, there might not be a lot of them. It works better for larger companies. Um, yeah, it does. There, there, there's more data there. I'd also say like um, kind of looking at the interview more, definitely come prepared, like not just for the questions they might ask you, but come up with your own questions. It's, it's, you'll have interviewers that are really bad at interviewing. And so there's two things you might want to do about that. And one is, or definitely have questions prepared about the company because you want to make sure you seem interested but also try to figure out beforehand like the things that you want to highlight about yourself, those memorable things, and somehow maneuver that, those into the conversation, whether that's through asking them a question and then talking about <laughs> your perspective on it or, or something to that effect. But um, I actually found a, a really good list for questions if it's hard for you to come up with questions, um, which I think we can share links in here, so I'll do that. That's, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. One thing I, I always... Uh, I am very uh, biased to prod long-term product building uh, companies, right? So this is my this is my gem. <laughs> like I I always uh, one thing that I, I always like to develop a product through through time. Uh, so whenever comes a candidate that has like really interesting questions about the product, about the business about the environment that your company is, is running and, and about like our customers and things like that. I think this, this gives like a really good uh, impression of like, oh, because uh, sometimes we as devs, we get too, too uh, tech uh, oriented and tech will come and go, right? So I need to understand like, are you, uh, are you someone that is interested in the problem that we're solving? not only the solutions we are using today, but like the problem itself. 
So whenever uh, I interview someone and, and they have like interesting questions about, oh, so this is your product, this is your company, so what do you think about these trends and blah, blah, blah. I read uh, an article yesterday about that there's always this like Amazon may enter your, <laughs> so like what did, did you, did you all think about it and things like that? So this is, this is, I think it signals that you are interested in the problem itself, and this is a, a, uh, I always get like really. Um, I think it's a, it's positive when the candidate is also interested in the problem, the business problem itself. Yeah, absolutely. One other thing that I put people through as far as asking questions at, of the interviewer is um, the the first thing that you do is you you go through this questionnaire that I have that asks you what kind of job you want and we've talked about you know figuring out what what's important to you and then um basically interviewing and targeting those companies but when you're in the interview that's your best time uh to figure out a lot of that stuff and so you should know what kind of your top two or three things are that you really want from that job and then you should be asking those questions so um a lot of folks you know they were kind of looking for their second job um, and so one of the things they didn't like about the first job was that they didn't have a lot of opportunities to get training or to attend conferences or things like that. And so, you know, they could ask that question in the interview, what kinds of opportunities do you give people to increase their skills or to get training? You know, and so they may say, well, we have a plural site, um, subscription for all of our folks, or we send everybody to this conference or that conference or the other conference or, um, you know, we, we bring in and do internal training periodically or, you know, whatever it is, but you can start to kind of feel those things out too. And you can also ask those if you find that champion in the company, um, you know, you can ask that before you even show up. And so then in the interview, you just mentioned, you know, I was talking to Joe or Jane and they told me that you do the, these kinds of things. I was just curious what your next training is. And, and that way you can ask those kinds of questions and figure out whether or not they really are the kind of company that you want to be at. Yeah, this is great. So is your course, Charles, uh, directed towards people on all the levels of, of your developer life from junior to senior? So I initially designed it for uh, junior people. Um, the content there is, uh, I mean, it, it's applicable to everybody, but um, it's kind of easier to, to build it out toward uh, junior people. But um, uh, I, I can just run through the, the outline here real quick, and then we've already been talking for about an hour and 15 minutes, so we can probably wrap up after that, uh, unless there's something that either of you really feel like we left out that we want to talk about. But um, anyway, so the job search process is the first module. And I talk about how to get hired, and that's kind of that be the right person that has the right skills, you know, at the right time for the right price. Um, resumes, cover letters, uh, enhancing your resume with GitHub, um, and then getting through the phone screenings, interviews, and offer letters. Um, the second section is finding companies you want to work for. So then we go through and we, you know, I ask all the questions about who you want to work with and what kind of working conditions and things like that. So you kind of design your dream job. You find the companies that match that on the internet. You do a bunch of research. You figure out where the company employees are. You find out how to be around and be around them 
So that's kind of finding your champion mentor, whatever you want to call them. Um, and then reaching out to the company's employees and starting to build that relationship. Uh, the third module is getting noticed by expanding your portfolio. So that's blogging, podcasting, screencasting, vlogging. And I'm just reading this right off the list. Contributing to open source, speaking at conferences, speaking at users groups, helping organize users groups, forums, chat rooms, and mailing lists. Um, uh, the fourth module is getting noticed by interacting with the company. So that's attending corporate events, borrowing desk space, contributing to open source, uh, corporate open source, writing plugins, using APIs, sending snail mail, and requesting mentorship. And number five is leveling up. So that's uh, figuring out why you want to level up, figuring out which technologies to learn, uh, targeting a technology, making a plan, writing an overview, using tutorials, uh, reading code, getting help, uh, pairing, evaluating your skills, etc. So anyway, that's, that's the course in a nutshell. That sounds great. So. Very useful. Yep, and I may break off that last one as far as leveling off up into its own course because I get asked about that. That's probably the second most uh, consistent question I get asked is, what do I learn next? How do I level up? So, But yeah, there, there are a lot of things you can do that just really get people's attention. And if you do it in the right place because you've figured out who the company's employees are and kind of where they pay, spend their attention, then you can really, you know. So it may turn out that they don't go to the users groups, but they tend to tweet out articles that show up on Reddit, <laughs> you know, or something like that. So you, you just make sure that you're writing blog posts and that those are showing up on Reddit, things like that. So there's a, there's a little bit of strategy that comes into play with that. Um, the other thing is, is they are at work. And so if you can find a reason to hang out around the company's office periodically, that also helps. And so that's what a lot of the interacting with company stuff is. So anyway, anything else you, either of you want to add before we go to picks? Yeah, I think I'm good. All right. Yeah, I'm good too. It's, yeah, it's great. It's like everything's a learning opportunity. Just mm -hmm. present yourself. Try to connect with as many people as you can. I like this, this all these uh, rules and stories that we had today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the advice that both of you brought out will be really helpful for people. Thank you. All right, well, let's do some picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Uh, Sia, do you want to start us out with picks? Sure. I guess this week I will do the family one since uh, my sister got just married this past weekend and it was a really fun time in Houston. 
although hot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm really excited about family and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so my pick for, for this week, it was a, a blog post I read. It's about, it's from Hilo Wayne, Hilo Wayne, H-I-L-L-E-L, Wayne. It's, uh, the post is called, The Best Software Engineering Paper You Haven't Read. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, he make, uh, makes a, an analysis of a software engineering, like, scientific paper, and it was really good to, to know, like, how little do we know about our own practice? Like, how, how difficult it is to, like, study scientifically, like, software engineering practice. So when people say, like, types are better, type sucks, uh, or, like, uh, we need to do everything with TDD or not TDD, this, this is very difficult to understand scientifically. And, and this post uh, shows, like, very well, like, how... Um, how these types of studs happen and how can we conclude anything from them. So this is my pick. Nice. We did an, uh, an interview. Yeah, it was episode 184 of Ruby Rogues. And it's uh, what we actually know about software development and why we believe it's true. And uh, we talked to Greg Wilson and I, I think it was Andreas Stefik. And uh, yeah, it was about this whole scientific process of figuring out what works in software development and stuff like that. Um, I'll try and put a, get a link in there in the show notes. But uh, anyway, it was really interesting conversation about, yeah, some of these studies that they're pulling together about um, software processes and stuff and the assumptions we make without really any basis in anything real. So... Exactly. That That's like, it's it's surprising to, to, to learn how little we know scientifically about our 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 craft right yep so yeah and it's it's fascinating and i did a my ruby story interview with greg wilson as well and um yeah it was it was a really interesting discussion again about some of these studies and he actually introduced me to some of the um some of the people at the universities who are doing some of these studies and uh, so I'm trying to get some of them on like JavaScript Jabber and Ruby Rogues. So hopefully we can do some more of those. Um, maybe we'll bring a few of them over here to the show too. But uh, yeah, just interesting, interesting stuff. I cut you off. Were there any other picks you wanted to share? Uh, only this one this week. Awesome. So uh, my guilty pleasure lately has been uh, Orphan Black. Just finished season three. Uh, it's a fun show. Um, I guess it, since it's uh, been on for five seasons, um, the spoiler that it's a show about clones is probably fair game at this point. Wait, um, is the new season out? Cause I really like that one actually. <laughs> so, uh, I've been watching it on Amazon prime video. Yeah, me too. And, mm -hmm. uh, I think season five has the little prime banner on it so you can watch it. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, and I think season five was the last season of the show if I remember what I read on the internet, right? So um, anyway, like, like I said, I just finished season three. Um, I know that season four is definitely available to watch because it was not the last season, but the season before. So we'll see how that all goes. But yeah, really enjoying that. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's kind of what I've been doing to just unwind lately. So 
Anyway, um, I guess I should also tell people where to go to get the show, get the course. Um, so the course is currently in beta um, as, as we're recording this. Um, but this episode will come out in like three or four weeks and the, the course will definitely be live by then. So if you go to devchat.tv um, and then just click on products, it'll take you to the devchat.tv store. I'm also working on getting swag in there. So if you want like a React Roundup t-shirt or a JavaScript Jabber t-shirt or mug or something, um, I should have all of that in there too. So uh, you can snag any of that stuff if you want it. Stickers. Um, I'm working on getting like um, the laptop skins and phone covers and stuff because I've had people ask for that stuff too. So anyway, um, all of that will be there, including this course. So go check it out. And uh, yeah, the more I think about it, um, I also wouldn't be shocked if when you go there, if you're just interested in the leveling up part, if if that's not there on its own as its own course. So, all right. Well, we'll let's go ahead and wrap this one up and uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>